Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Hey, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. We are broadcasting from the lake today, so you are going to hear a slight difference in our podcast, but I've got my Yeti mic with me, and I think it's going to be so much fun talking to my friend Frank Kitchen. Welcome, Frank, to the show. Hey, Jane. Good to How see you. How are you doing? You. I'm doing great, Jane. I'm in a new location, too. I'm hanging out in New Mexico at the Balloon Fiesta, so we're both doing this mobile today. Oh, so cool. Well, we're living the dream. And so we want to kind of look about what we're talking about today is about booking, opening and closing association events. But before we dive into that, Frank, tell everybody kind of what is your current business model? I want you to go all the way back to the beginning in a minute, but just let's talk about what's going on in your life and your world today. Awesome. Okay. Well, my name is Frank Kitchen. It is spelled like the room in your house. (laughs) <laughs> and quite simply, I am a, it's my initials, which is kind of funny. I'm a fundraiser, a coach, and a keynote speaker. Uh, quite simply, I work with organizations who want their people to break through mental barriers to cook up the dreams they hunger for. So I'm mm. usually the opening or closing keynote speaker for association conferences. And because my last name is Kitchen, everything has a uh, kitchen or cooking <laughs> flair to it. I love it. I love it. Cook up. So good. So good. I love that how you have kind of built your name into your brand. And there's a lot of people out there who are able to do that, which is so fun. So what got you started in the speaking business? Take us back to the early days and tell us what your story is. So the early days were in college, I was a student, uh, part of student organizations and activities. So I was the founder and president of a group called the Campus Activities Board at our college uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I quite simply, I booked speakers and I booked performers and magicians and artists and you'd hang out with those groups. And then while you're part of this, you become part of associations that take care of booking all these performers, of which we're going to have a little noise here since we're having some fun today. So while we're booking these performers, I started to learn the behind the scenes of the business. And I came back to that college years later as an advisor to teach students how to book performers. And my students quite simply said, hey, Frank, you know, you're always up there introducing the speakers and you present at conferences. Why aren't you doing this? And one of my students mm. goes, you, yeah, student goes, you challenge us to live our dreams. What are you doing to live yours? So that was about 16 years ago. So my students pushed me out of my college job to become a speaker. I love that they were the impetus of all of this happening. And now here you are living the dream. So fast forward today, tell me a little bit about what's going on behind you there with New Mexico. We, by the way, we do our podcasts out on all of the podcasting channels, but we also go on YouTube. So this is available to you on uh, YouTube, the video. You can see where Frank is. You can see where I am at the cottage. What's going on behind you there, Frank? So what's going on behind me is I'm in a gazebo in my father-in-law's backyard. And when I'm speaking on stage, talking about breaking through mental, mental barriers was uh, six years ago, I was a part-time speaker. I had talked about being a full-time speaker, but I really didn't understand the business of speaking. So I was still working a nine to five job and I was planning for the perfect time that year to leave my job. And it was June, uh, what was that? June 18th. I got called into a meeting with my company and actually I thought I was getting a promotion and they gave me this envelope and the envelope goes, this is going to be your last day. 
this isn't this isn't working now the short story is it was father's day weekend my wife was six and a half months pregnant with our second child so i'm getting fired on father's day and then we have to come see my in-laws that weekend and i have to go to my father-in-law go hey i have no job i want to be a full-time speaker happy father's day and your third grandchild's on the way and (laughs) so i i set up a speaker showcase here in albuquerque new mexico that weekend and my father-in-law had never seen me speak live before so my wife's like hey take my dad with you so i went and did the showcase and i'm watching him in the back of the room there's a couple hundred people in the room i'm just watching him and at the end of it we came back to this gazebo right here brought a couple speakers with me and he goes i really want to learn this business what's going on and that was six years ago and i've been a full-time speaker ever since we just put the plan together he goes what can i do to help you out he's an old marketing guy and he's like hey whatever we can do to help support you and this business and i said i've been doing it ever since Oh my goodness. That is, you know, sometimes one door closes and the whole world opens up to you. Right. And, you know, would you say that fear is just a huge part in people waiting to take the leap? Like, did you ever wish that you would have done it sooner or did you think, wow, what a gift that was? What do what were you thinking in that moment? Well, now I think about it as like, it was a gift for that point, because when you talked about wishing, wishing is a passive, you know, mindset. And I always mm-hmm. say on stage, wishing means you wish an idea turns out or when you wait. So you wish an idea turns out. So I was waiting for the perfect time. And to be honest, the perfect time there was God knew I wasn't going to step out. So I had to get put into a corner and quote, get hungry. And that's why I share on stage. I'm like, I had to get hungry. So it was, it was a godsend at that point to be able to quote, get fired. I was trying to use my vacation time or personal time to go out for speeches. And that week when I got fired, quite simply, I picked up the phone, called everybody who I knew. And within a few weeks, I'd booked out a week's worth of speaking because I wasn't worried about what my employer thought. And when I had the backing of my wife and I had the backing of my father-in-law, because, you know, that's pretty fearful right there. And I realized that the fear was holding me back. I should have let the fear drive me versus hold me back. Yeah, I love that. And I think that there's also a transition in identity. Number one, getting let go from your job is a bit of a blow. I have, an, I have a private coaching client who's going through that right now. And we're really working on the mindset piece as she goes through this, because that part, even if you wanted to leave, and they let you go, it still, it still messes with your mind a little bit, but really checking in with your thoughts and your feelings and making sure. And then also stepping into kind of like a new identity. What did you have to tell yourself? Like, okay, I'm a full-time speaker now. I'm an expert. What was the label that you put on yourself in that next adventure? Well, the big piece was I'm a business owner. You know, we talk about it here. I've listened to your podcast. Mm. You know, as a professional speaker, I often have people come to me and people who I even coach and go, hey, I want to be a speaker. I'm like, no, you don't want to be a speaker. You want to be a business owner. Your speaking is just one of the services uh. and products that you have. And a speaker thinks about how to make their speech better. A professional yes. speaker thinks about how to get that speech onto stages. And that was mm. my problem. I was, I wanted to be the speaker and I talked about it, but the professional speaker is thinking about the emails and the marketing and, you know, the whole business aspects of it. And that was the big piece for me was I had to become a business owner. Those are two words that can really change somebody's life, business owner, because 
when you identify as a speaker, you're like, you're right. You're just kind of trading your time for money. You actually get yourself just a really good, well-paid job in some mm -hmm. situations. But when you build a business, not everybody wants to build a business that they can sell, but being able to build a business that has systems and structure and things that happen on a consistent basis in order to drive the frequency of business is so important. And I'm just really happy that you're using that term that you stepped away from your, you know, being an employee into yeah. being a business owner. Huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge for anybody listening in who's kind of been thinking about this. Start to get your headspace moving in that direction. And I don't actually recommend to everybody go out and quit your job the day you decide that you want to move into this profession. It's really great to have that as kind of a strategy. We're going to do an 18-month transition from you from this place to this place. And I think it's nice to have that as a backup, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get a lot of people calls, oh, how'd you get into speaking? I want to be like you. I go, no, you don't want to be like me. It's like, I got fired. I, I do say I'm like, you, you want to work your way up. You want to make sure that there is, you know, contracts coming in, work coming in to a point where it's starting to compete with your nine to five. And then you can make that yes. choice. You want to have, you want to have money put away. You know, yes. you want to make sure that the work is still coming in. And, and why do you want to have money put away? Because you're starting a business. It's not going to be tomorrow. Yeah, we're, we're in the business of not losing money. So I, I hear people go, it's like, oh, well, I want to go speak 50 times. I'm like, no, you don't. They're like, well, wh why not? I'm like, well, if you speak 50 times for a dollar, you made 50 bucks. I'm like, and it's yeah. not all about money here, but you have to have a number of goals. Like what keeps the lights on? What feeds your kids? What takes care of the diapers? That has to be a consideration. And many speakers, they don't really think about that piece. They're thinking about how do I write the speech? How do I make people smile? Okay, that's nice. But I've seen, you've seen it too. I've seen a lot of pound for pound great speakers who never get on stage because they don't want to pick up the phone. They don't want to make an email. They don't want to put together a business plan. They don't want to put together a marketing plan. Oh my right. God, social media. I hate that. Okay, then guess what? You're not going to work. Business owner first. Okay, good message to start with, Frank. All right. So let's talk about getting booked into opening and closing of association events. Now we here at the Wealthy Speaker School, we've often preached, start with associations. It makes perfect sense. If you decide you want to carve out, you know, we, we like to have some focus in our outbound operations. So let's say you want to do something under the financial services umbrella we're going to look for associations under that umbrella that are going to house all the decision makers. And now you've gone into an audience of a hundred people that can take you into a hundred different companies. Is that what you were thinking? Is that why you decided, or did you just end up landing it that associations loved you? Well, I came up in the association business. I was president of an association. I was a member of an association. I was always asked to, you know, help run like the speaker showcase. So I got to see that part there. And when I really had to think about my business going like, okay, well, what do I know? What's the low hanging fruit? What's in your cupboard? You know, cause the speakers, everybody goes and tries to chase after 5,000 objects. They read the sales books. And I always tell people, throw the sales book aside. I was like, the speaking business is completely different. You know, who do you know, who do you serve? What's the problem that you can fix? And for me in associations, it became a good piece was I'd served in leadership. I'd been a member and I understand how that helps you grow personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. I also understood that I am a business of one when I first started, and it's hard to make all these phone calls and emails. 
So I need to go find where do all my people hang out? So for early on, I was in the education market. So where do educators, specifically college educators, hang out? And I had been a part of those associations. I understand yes. their, their language, their verbiage, how it works, where the conferences were. I had sat in the audience. That became the first groups I called up. And as you said, you know, people are like, well, why do you go do associations? I want to do corporate, these bigger groups. I'm like, those groups are hard to contact. You don't even know if they want you as a speaker. But when you go to an association, you'll have 100 people there. That's 100 people who value development. There's also 100 people who've already invested their time and their money into coming to the conference. So they probably want to bring that back to their groups. So I recognize that going out to a, an association, one is they will pay you to come out. But two mm-hmm. is it's a paid commercial to get future work and get you into the, some of these corporate or business or you know, individual organizations. I like that paid commercial. The, the other benefit of associations, like you said, corporate There's nothing on their website that says, hey, here's when all our meetings are, but it is there for associations. You can typically tell when the annual conference is or when the events are that they hold. And you can also see last year's conference, who did they have as speakers? And that allows you, if you know your market and you know your competition to say, oh, okay, they could afford so-and-so, they can afford me as well. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a nice little bit of intel you can do ahead of time. I remember one time an association executive came into the speakers bureau and played us some voicemails that they were getting from speakers. And the speakers were calling and asking, when is your next event? And I would just like to say to please never, ever, ever do that. When the information is readily available to you online, they are simply going to think that you didn't do your homework. And that is not the best first impression. So what happened to those voicemails? Delete, 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 down the drain they went. And so they never, ever would get a call back from that association executive. No, I mean, we sell ourselves as professionals, but when we do something, as you just described, then we make ourselves look unprofessional. Mm. I mean, so for anybody who's listening to this right now, you could even call up to the groups and just go, hey, you know what? I would like to know, when do you start the process for your next conference? That even makes you sound more professional than, do you have an event? But yes. once again, as I said, for me, I'm a, I have a sales and marketing degree, is a lot of people will go and read these sales books. You need to contact them seven times in a week. You need to contact them this many times until they don't like you anymore. And this is a reputation business. And if you do that, because I've been on the other side where you book, as you said, we will dump those emails, dump those voicemails, because you need to re- realize when our booking window is. When we have the conference, as you said, at least show that you care. I don't want this mass email or, as you said, calling up and going like, do you have an event? It's on my (laughs) website. I'd rather you call and say, hey, you know what? Next week's event is on how to become a wealthy speaker. And I saw that your theme is, you know, how to make money. I've got a speech that's called making money as a speaker. I think that would line up with your theme. They will at least take your call now and start to talk with you. So we have to do our homework before we ever pick up the phone or send the email. Right. And really understanding what association, what do the leaders of the association know that their members are in need of? If it's an association full of entrepreneurs and we've just gone through COVID, you know, and they're all getting people back into the workplace, then maybe it's a topic like that. Really try to understand what it is that people, what, what problem you want to help them solve And I would say, don't be too broad about it. I think the more specific you can be, we talk a lot about picking a lane here. 
So what we mean by that is when you're picking a topic, you know, go narrow on the topic and pick one topic, but also even pick one problem to help solve so that when they see that, they'll know that you are their person. You are the one that they want because you have exactly what their members need. Right. And we have to be able to position ourselves that way. So for me, as you said about narrow, I will tell people I'm a keynote speaker and they're going, why do you want the keynote? It's like, well, because I want to be in front of everybody. But now for everybody mm. listening to this, they might be saying, full Frank, Jane, I'm not a keynote. But the beauty about these associations are they have workshops and ed sessions, depending on how they wanted to title it. And many times you can still call them like, hey, you know what? I understand that your organization is good at X, Y, and Z. I speak on X, Y, and Z. What's the best way to submit to be a workshop presenter? If you know you're a workshop yes. presenter and they will yes. give it to you. And for everybody listening to this, when you're speaking, it doesn't mean you just get paid to be on stage. I've got a lot of people who I coach, Jane, I go, hey, go to the associations and like, but I'm not going to get paid. I'm like, but no, once again, it's a commercial. If you get an hour mm-hmm. workshop to show your expertise and you go, hey, with my clients and my past experience for the groups I work with, someone will ask you for your business card. And once again, instead of making a hundred phone calls to people who may not want you, you've got a room of 50 people who probably want you and you can probably close two or three deals after that. So you can use associations once again, as commercials to sell yourself. And then once you do get into an association, you talk about going, you know, narrowing what we're doing. All these associations tend to have state associations, regional, national, international. Once you build on one, you can go find a connection to another one and then move on to the next organization. If you think about the United States, okay, there's 50 of this organization. You may not be able to do all 50 in a year, but you can probably do it over a five-year span. That fills your calendar up and broadens your knowledge of you and your expertise. Oh, good. And I don't want to say that doing breakouts or workshops or concurrence at association events, you will not get paid for sure, because I've heard it straight from the horse's mouth sometime. We interviewed Lori Pugh for the podcast from Meeting Professionals International, and she said sometimes they do have a budget. So let's not assume that we know there's no money because we never, ever know where the money comes from. And even at the state level, sometimes we might assume we know what the budget could be. But guess what? I just had a call from, I think it was Oklahoma, and it was a particular association. And I thought in my mind, I thought, oh, they probably have, you know, maybe five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars They had a $35,000 budget. That blew my mind. So please don't assume that you know. I would like to put a link in the show notes to our Where to Find the Money in Speaking PDF. Monica, if you could put that into the show notes, this will allow you to see, you know, on average, here's where we think the money is and how it goes up in terms. So big conferences, I keep wanting to call you Reggie because your name is Reggie Miller up on your uh, Zoom. I think you, is that your father-in-law? No, it is a joke. So for people- Oh, that's funny. So people- He's an NBA um, <laughs> Hall of Famer, and there's, oh. there's a story on YouTube. You can go watch it, but people for years, especially in Indiana, is like, oh, my God, are you him? Can we get your autograph? Oh, that's so I've, funny. I've, I've, I've joked in Zoom. Um, I know another speaker, and what he does is in Zoom, he goes, hey, put up something that you'd like to be called to have it fun. It's one of his icebreakers, and I happen to put up Reggie Miller, and it gets people oh, laughing. Hilarious. Like, oh, my God, you look just like him. So it's and he not Now that you that. mention it, you do actually look like him. And yeah. so I, I was, but I keep looking at that name and getting confused. Wait a second. I'm talking to Frank Kitchen. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Reminder. Yeah. I was thinking maybe it was your father-in-law. So yeah. talk a little bit about the opening and closing keynote 
and where you think in the association world, what levels are you seeing the biggest paychecks? So certain state associations, but then national associations, international, just talk through your experience a little bit that way. Okay. So my experience when it comes to being the, the opening or closing keynote, and I do want to go back for one thing, just because I did make that comment and there's a faux pas for me saying, okay, you won't get paid in the workshops. I did get an email today. And once again, I just asked, well, what's your budget? But they're asking for three breakout workshops and they've got a budget mm-hmm. like, hey, please let us know and send us no, your contract. No. So there, there is money. So you always have to ask, you know, is there a yes. budget? So So that's the piece there. So now back to the keynote piece is generally when you have education or nonprofits, you know, they're getting their money based off of people paying for the the admission to come there. And usually it's lower. So those groups don't have as much money for the keynotes. But once again, everything varies. Some groups get grants and they have sponsorships from corporates, their corporate groups, so they could actually pay more. They'll have them sponsor the keynote. But generally for me and experience, when I work with education groups or nonprofit groups, those ones tend to be be smaller state associations. You're probably looking somewhere generally about forty five hundred to sixty five hundred dollars. I mean, that's just okay. what I what I what I've seen there. Now, as you start mm-hmm. to get up to larger groups where maybe it's a sales convention or it's a group of people who are dealing with sales or marketing, I've noticed those groups have been getting somewhere close to ten. And then you'll okay. start hearing people like, "Well, hey, if you're going to be a keynote, that's around ten thousand dollars." So when I've gotten, let's say, medical groups, sales groups, company marketing, those groups are there. And then for me, I'll be honest. Because we're not going to make it, you know, because so many speakers talk about all their big numbers. I know the people because I've been talking to Jane because Jane's going to, I'm going to work with Jane to get bigger. When you start getting up like, you know, above that 10 or 15, now they're starting to like really use your name to draw people in. Yeah. And you, and, you, and you have to have some notoriety. So I know for my friends who are speakers who are making 10, 15, 20,000, I haven't made that. You know, I'll be honest right now. You have to have a certain, certain notoriety to help, you know, sell the, te- help sell the seats. I mean, yeah, they want to put your name on there. That is actually exactly the window where it becomes a bums in seats situation. So somewhere between the ten and $20,000 budget, at some point along the path there, the client is going to shift from we need a speaker on this topic to we need a speaker who's going to put bums in seats. Mm-hmm. And so I have a couple of clients, Ryan Estes, Kendra Hall. You all have heard me talk about both of them. And uh, they are up in the 25, 30, 35 category in terms of fees. And they have not necessarily household names, but they definitely have kind of like that corporate household name where they are becoming known. And oh, I saw Kendra Hall a few years ago. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that gets the buzz going. Especially Kendra, I think she's got 30,000 followers on Instagram when she says, hey, like she's going to build that into her contract that I'll do some posting for you. And that then becomes another arm. So it gets really interesting at that point where but, but I would say it's just a matter of time, Frank, before you are in that exact position when you say yeah. And it's, it's yeah. a process. You, you understand that you, you have to do certain work. You have to start to build up. That's part of the business pieces. Yeah. You get a lot of groups like, well, hey, and I'm just going to throw out the name Tony Robbins. Like, well, Tony Robbins makes this much money. I'm going to go charge that. Well, it's yeah. like, well, no, he's, he's built up credibility. So for all of us as speakers, there's a certain credibility we have to build up. So usually, for example, a state conference, you know, you can get those conferences. But then what's going to happen is as you get better in the states and people start to hear it, they'll refer you to the regional. And if you do good at the regional, they'll refer you to the national and the international, because that will yes. start, you know, like, okay, 
he or she killed it here. They're going to be great because they really understand how to speak to our group. And then the other I part love that. that. Yeah. The other part about the associations are certain associations, let's call it a lot of the state or the education groups. I work with a lot of court groups. Every year, September, they always have their conference. Every year, they know they're always going to have like 150 to 200. So as you said, we're not really worried about putting bums in seats. So they pretty much have a fixed budget because they're going, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to bring a speaker in. You're not really going to quote, you're going to add to the conference, but you're not really going to add as far as we're right. go from 200 to 500 this year. But as you said, those yes. bigger conferences with the 20, 35,000, they're like, okay, wait a second. We just rented out this arena. We've got 15,000 people. We got to make sure, you know, it's just like when I booked, you know, entertainers and musicians, when we book a musician or a comedian, people are going like, well, wait a second, this venue costs X amount of dollars. I got to bring in somebody to help me offset those costs. Yes. And that's part of understanding this business is, okay. And as a keynote, also, it's our job to, you know, be there with the conference planner and help them make this event a success. So as you said, shooting a video ahead of time, helping promote, you know, being there not only on stage, but off stage. So when we're a keynote, the opening or closing, it's our job to either set up the rest of the speakers for the two or three days of the conference to make sure that yes. we fit their theme. Or when we close it, it's to wrap it up and send everybody off on a high note and give them a call to action saying, hey, everything that you've learned over the last three days, make sure. So as that keynote in front of everybody, yes, it's about you, but it's actually more about the organization because that's the word that spreads and gets you more work. It's a very specific task. If you're opening, you're setting the stage. If you're closing, you're wrapping everything up into a nice, neat bow. And I think that's really interesting. Now, I want to kind of take a step backwards. If you are new to the industry and you are thinking about going out to do what we fondly call the rubber chicken circuit to get out there (laughs) and speak for free to anyone who will listen, do it strategically for the local chapters of the associations that you want to get your foot in the door with. So if you decide back to that whole financial services umbrella, you might go to your local bankers association. They have a meeting every month and they need content. They need speakers. And so why not do it with some strategy rather than just speaking to anyone who will listen? If you really don't know who you want to speak to, then that second option is out there for you. But I think if you have a bit of strategy behind it, it makes a lot of sense. It does. And the thing is, for many of us who are professionals trying to get into the professional speaking business, we've all attended some type of association conference. Mm -hmm. And as you said, the rubber chicken circuit, one of the easiest ways to get in is to write up people. And I've done this. Go, hey, I've been an attendee at your conference. I was a member of your conference. And they're going like, well, wait a second. They understand who we are. And I've had yes. groups to go, hey, you're the only speaker who contacted me who's ever been to our event before. So it's easy yes. to, to bring them in. So for anybody listening to this or watching this right now, if you've gone to a conference, seen a speaker on stage and said, hey, you know what? I think I can do that. And you've got the, you know, you feel like the expertise and knowledge, go ahead and reach out and explain, hey, I was at your conference a year ago, two years ago. I'm a paid member. I would love to come and share my expertise with the group. And that's pretty much how I got started. I reached out to everybody yeah. I'd ever been to a conference to before or my friends who have gone to conferences and go, Hey, it's like, here's what I'm speaking on. I speak on mindset and leadership and workplace culture. When, not if, when you hear of something, let me know. And, you know, so when I talk to people, I say, spice up your speaking, but the you in it is utilize your network. So Hmm. utilize your network to let them know. It's It's like, if your network doesn't know you're a speaker, a professional speaker, then guess what? You're not going to get work because if you can't even sell it to your friends and your family, how are you going to go sell it to these associations or these corporate groups? 
And it sounds like you had a really good network right when the moment that you left your job, because running your own showcase is actually another strategy, everybody. We really try to start when we kind of look at it like a target and the bullseye, the middle group of people that you want to begin with are your warmest leads. They're friends, family, your network, former coworkers, people at church, neighbors, all of those people are people who could potentially help you out. So you start with them. Hey, everybody, this is what I'm doing now. I wanted to let you know and see if you know anybody who could benefit from that. And so you might do two or three emails to tell people because they really don't listen or get it the first time. But I love the idea of running your own showcase. You book a hotel room and or something, a venue, and you bring in people. Having your father-in-law there was so smart because now he really understood what you do for a living, which frankly, most in-laws really never, ever truly get what it is that we do in this profession. And so I love that, you know, he immediately engaged and got it and was able to help you assist you in your business going forward. But running your own showcase and filling up a room full of people, that can end up being years and years of spinoff. Yeah. So let me make sure I clarify because you're like, oh, wow, he went and did his own showcase. So this showcase was actually for um, here in the United States. It was for a group of student councils. So all the student councils. So it was their national conference. So I had actually registered for it. So it wasn't my own personal showcase. Ah, So they're bringing in, so they actually had a speaker showcase for people who wanted to work with, you know, high school student leaders and educators. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to sign up. It's in my in-laws hometown. It's five hours away. No big deal. But last year when COVID hit and we're scrambling to figure out what happened, you know, March hits and I'm like, okay, uh, we lost all our work in two days. I was part of national speakers association. We already knew what zoom was before the world knew what zoom was. Mm-hmm. By the first week of April, I did schedule a virtual showcase and I invited people and a hundred people showed up to come to my own personal showcase. As you said, put it together and people got a chance to see who I was. Did I get work the next month? No. But by the time June and July came around, people were like, oh wait, he can do virtual. He can do this. Yeah. So as you said, we have to create this. You know, I share with people, it's like, it's our job to make us look good and get work, not anybody else's. So when you go work with associations of these groups, like they didn't market, they didn't promote me. No, that's not their job. That's your job. So mm-hmm. we have to make our, you know, get, you know, you talk about waiting earlier. It's up to us to get the work. And back to you talking about how to utilize the people we know. This is something you can share. I'm going to have a kitchen analogy for you right now. And I'm going to ask <laughs> you to play, play along with me right now. But if you're hungry for something right now, Jane, what would you be mm-hmm. hungry for? This, you're doing these interviews today, but what are you hungry for? You're up at the cabin. Pasta. <laughs> so you're hungry for pasta. So you're, you're hungry for pasta right now. You're thinking about it. What's the first thing that you would do? I would go and see if I have any and take it out, start getting the ingredients ready. Right. So you go into your kitchen, you go into your cupboard to see what you have, but there's nothing there. So now you're still hungry for this pasta. What's the next thing you would do then? You don't have anything in the house. Maybe go shopping. You maybe go shopping, but you go to the store and they don't have any pasta because there's a run on it. Everybody came in town this weekend. So then what's the next thing that you're going to do? (laughs) You're going to keep going. Go to the restaurant, take out, Uber Eats. So right. So so when we're hungry for something, you know, we always drive for 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 speaking. We're we're hungry for something. So early on, Mm. as speakers, we go the opposite way. We go straight to Uber Eats or to the you know restaurant, but we don't necessarily have the money or the funding for it. And we fall flat. We're like, oh man, what's wrong? 
versus we should be starting with what's in our cupboard. That's our friends, our family, our networks, the places that we've worked, yes. the associations. So start with in your cupboard first. And then if you don't have that, then as you said, you kind of go shop around, which now you're going to ask your friends and people like, well, where can I go shop around? Do you know where I can find this piece? And then from there, we'll go up to the bigger stuff, to the restaurant. That's the corporate groups. But as a speaker, we have to start with in our oh, network God. first. Then from there, you know, we start to mm-hmm. expand out. Like, can you refer me to people? And then we'll go up to like the high level. So we have to start, you know, I don't want to call it the low level, but we start with what we have, you know, what are resources that we have right now. But when I jumped into the speaking and a lot of speakers you probably work with, it's like, oh, boom, I'm going to go straight to Microsoft and straight to Google. And it's like, no, no, you got to work your way up. How about you see if you've got a friend who works at Microsoft or Google first or someone who works at this school or somebody who's on Rotary. Let's start to build up, you know, that notoriety first. You know, so if you're hungry for something, see what you can make yourself and then you start to work up. It's really good. I love the idea of, let's say you solve a very specific problem. Having a monthly webinar that you invite as many people as you can to, and that is like a monthly showcase for you to easily ask for the business at the end of it. That's the thing that I think people really need to remember to do. What is the call to action that you want to do at the end of your webinar? And let's make sure we're booking those discovery calls and and just have it be one thing that they do as a result of attending. and. I see a lot of people out there, especially during COVID, doing things like that to be able to build their business, doing the virtual showcase. Brilliant. Really. Yeah. Or if you truly understand, you know, so like I said, I work with mindset and the impacts on leadership, workplace culture, and, you know, teamwork. Mm-hmm. So when I know who my clients, what they want, I'm doing it this week, I'm doing it next week, whether the, thing, the event be in person or virtual, I will turn any paid speaking events into a showcase also. I will say, everyone, I'm going to be speaking on X, Y, and Z. Here's an invitation mm. to come and watch me virtually or in person. So if I'm, I'm here in New Mexico right now, I'm in New Mexico and I've got in my CRM, all the different people who are here in New Mexico, I will say, hey, I'm going to be speaking at this location. Please come and watch me. It's like, it doesn't cost you anything. You can use this to take, show your, your work team, your volunteers, your community. Come on in and, and learn. I'd love for you to see what I do. And that has That's, turned into work. Virtually, it works the same way too. So I've got yes. virtual keynotes this week and I got referred to a few people. I'm like, hey, guess what? Completely transparent. I'm going to be given the keynote that I think best aligns with what you want. Please come and watch that keynote. And someone wrote, wrote like, oh, Frank, I only got 20 minutes, but I'll stop by. And I'm like, that, that has opened up. So we have that to be works. creative with this. But as you said, we, we create our own opportunities. And the associations are always looking to see what the next great thing is. And especially if you can position yourself as a resource versus just trying to sell a speech. If you're mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm a resource. So as you said about the webinars, I'll send emails out to groups going, hey, here's the top 16 questions you should ask your next virtual speaker. Here's the best way to do your next virtual program. Hey, I've learned during this hybrid format, uh, there's different ways. Here's the best practices. If you'd like to set up a quick 30-minute call with me, I can share with you what I've learned. You're like, whoa, this guy's not trying to sell anything to me. He's actually just trying to showcase and that lined up, you know, I'll be honest with everybody, this last year during COVID has probably been my best year of speaking. No, not probably. It has been my best year of speaking when I go look at the numbers because the, we were able to break down the barriers and so many speakers said, okay, I'm not doing this virtual thing. I was able to reach out to all the associations early on and go, hey, have you considered virtual? If you'd yes. like to show up to this showcase, I can show you what good virtual looks like. And boom, and they all showed up. Be, be the solution. 
Wow. Frank Kitchen, a.k.a. Reggie Miller, you have given us so much gold here on today's podcast. I thank you so, so very much. Now, if people would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? All right. So I like to keep things fresh from the kitchen. So what they can do is they can email me at fresh, F-R-E-S-H, at frankkitchen.com. So kitchen, just like the room, there's going to be two Ks in the middle. So fresh at F-R-A-N-K-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com. And if they go ahead and email me, I can share a couple of uh, ideas with them. I can share with them my spice up strategy as far as how to get work within the associations. I can send them a list of, I'll send it over to you because I know you put stuff on the Piece, so I'll we'll get put it, it on the show notes. But but yeah, but people who to connect with as far as the decision makers when it comes to speaking and oh, it's the five things you need beautiful. to so the five things you need to secure work as a paid speaker. And I'll just go ahead and share that with everybody. So email me or go find the the show notes and we'll take care of them. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Frank. I love 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 that you're living the life over there. You're living the dream. I'm over here doing it. And I hope that our listeners are watching that and saying, okay, I'm getting some seeds planted for myself here. What is perfect for me? However many years down the road and uh, how can I live the life of my dreams? Thank you all for tuning in to the Wealthy Speaker podcast. And for that, we'll say, see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.